Hey everybody, before we get into the show, I wanted to let you know we've got another live show coming up. We will be back at Maya Cinemas on Thursday, May 23rd for Furiosa, the latest in the Mad Max series. We are so excited for this one. Joining me to talk about it, we've got Sam Novak, Shahab Zargari, and Tony Gonzalez. A great lineup. It's going to be an awesome movie. We are so excited to talk about it. So make sure to check the show notes. There are opportunities to win tickets. You could also buy tickets. And we hope to see you there Thursday, May 23rd, 6 p.m. at Maya Cinemas for Furiosa. All right, welcome to another episode of Piecing It Together, the podcast where we take a look at a new movie and try to figure out what movies inspired it. And today on the show, I've got Colby Mack joining me. It's been a while since he's been on the show, and we are going to be talking about a movie that a lot of people did not like very much, but the both of us loved it. That movie is called Malcolm and Marie from writer-director Sam Levinson, starring John David Washington and Zendaya. And it is a movie where the two of them are at each other's throats, as well as at critics' throats, for uh, two hours long in a house shot in black and white. Uh, And a lot of people, like I said, do not like this movie. I'm sure we'll get a lot of pushback on our uh, celebration of this film and its influences here in the coming conversation. But you know what? This movie is what it is, and I think we did a pretty good job of talking about what it is that we like so much about this thing. So that is coming up here in a second, but as always, I want to remind you all that if you're not subscribed to Piecing It Together yet, you should subscribe to Piecing It Together. We are, of course, on all of the major podcast apps. You could also follow us on social media at PiecingPod and join our Facebook group, Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces, where we continue the conversation about all the movies we talk about here on the show. And uh, we also have a Patreon, the Produced by David Rosen Patreon, where I post advanced episodes of Piecing It Together. There's also bonus content from Awesome Movie Year podcast, which is another movie podcast that I produce. We just recently did a bonus episode on Purple Rain, Prince's Purple Rain, for the uh, conclusion of the 1984 season of that podcast. And that is up on the Patreon right now. That is a fun episode. There's also a lot of bonus content from my music career as well. I'm actually working on the score for a feature-length film right now, and as soon as I finish it, I'm going to release that score uh, as a bonus album on the uh, on the Patreon. So check that out. Produced by David Rosen. It's patreon.com slash by David Rosen. Lots of great content there. So with all that said, let's jump into our conversation on Malcolm and Marie. <music> All right, so it's been a while, but back on the show, we finally got him back. It's Colby Mack. How's it going, Colby? Yo, 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 what up? It's your boy, Colby Mack, and I'm finally back. It's been a while indeed on the Piecing It Together podcast. Yeah! <laughs> it's, always, uh, it's always so great to hear your voice on a podcast. You just know the energy is just going to be uh, 
through the roof, you know? It's, it's telling me, man, I got to trademark it, bottle it, and sell it. Yes, that's true. Well, uh, you know, this movie we're about to talk about, Malcolm and Marie, uh, you've been getting around with this one, huh? How many podcasts have you done on this movie? This is number eight. Oh, my God. Yeah, I've done I've done three before, I think, including you know my own and then guest appearances. That, that's a lot of time talking about the same movie, but uh, hopefully we'll be able to uh, squeeze a few different things out of you here with uh, you know the whole puzzle pieces format and all that. I think that's what attracts me to keep doing these guest spots because the more and more that I talk about this film, varying perspectives and lens lend itself to the different sides of the conversation for me to be able to reply to things that I continue to learn and discern from. Right, so. right, and. We are both on the side of this movie is great. And to be clear at the top of the conversation here, a lot of people do not agree with us. And I'm sure we'll get into some of the reasons possibly why uh, this movie is just, uh, I I don't even want to say not connecting because I feel like people are approaching it from the point of view of it's bad. Now let me watch the movie and decide I was right that this is bad. That's what it kind of feels like. Does it feel that way for you? Absolutely. And I think it ends up bearing out what Sam Levinson's point to the entirety of the film was we bring so much into these films. Mm -hmm. And for you and I, who talk about this as like an elevated hobby, right? Um, One day we're going to get super paid for this shit. I'm telling you. That's right. (laughs) You know, but essentially we bring in, I don't want to call it baggage. I mean, because that's art, right? Like it's the way that we appreciate it based off of what we bring to it, what we take from it, right? But we can project a lot of shit onto it as well. So, the film is so much more divisive than I ever thought it would be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really is. And I'm going to kick this off with, with the first puzzle piece here. Usually I throw to my guest first, but I, I'm going to just throw this one in here really quick. And it's not because the story or any of the themes necessarily line up with what's going on with Malcolm and Marie, but there's something behind the scenes that I wanted to bring this into the conversation. And that's a movie that we had discussed possibly doing, but then scheduling didn't work out. Uh, it's a movie called Waves from 2019, uh, written and directed by Trey Edward Schultz. And a lot of people did not want to uh, allow for this movie to you know have any merit based on the fact that we have a white filmmaker making a, a movie that's predom- predominantly a black story with mostly black characters and unapologetically doing it. Now, Malcolm and Marie really is not a black story. It's more so just that the two main characters, the only characters, happen to be. Uh, and, and so it's definitely a very different thing but I feel like it's almost a similar pushback in a way where Trey Edward Schultz got so much shit for writing this particular movie, Waves, which was, I think, a fantastic movie. And I think people who gave it a chance really enjoyed it, too. Yeah, I mean, see, I think that's why I love doing your podcast, because <laughs> you will harken back to films that I never even thought of, like, trying to, like, piece it together. I'm like, shit, yes, I see the waves in this. and. It's a lot of it's because of the commentary, right? Yes. In no way did I ever perceive, one, Malcolm and Marie as a black film. Sure. Nor did I perceive Waves as a black film. Mm-hmm. Waves, in my top five of 2019, you know, if y'all don't know, <laughs> Kelvin Harrison Jr. is my man. Yeah. And that year, he gave us Loose and Waves. Oh, gosh. Woo. But like, you're right. What Trey Edward Schultz was doing, and obviously he has a connection you know, with Kelvin Harrison Jr. because- They've worked on several projects already, Mm -hmm. right? This is just a guy who essentially kind of like what Malcolm has a muse, right? Sure. There's a storyteller who 
Let's say, you know, uh, uh, KHJ is his muse and, you know, wants to be able to have a story that's authentic. And it's funny enough because authenticity is one of the major themes inside of Malcolm and Marie. Absolutely. What's unique about with Waves is that I remember after watching that movie and then like knowing that, you know, it, it, it was this dude. I'm like, yo, who gave Trey Edward Schultz a black card? Right. right? Yeah. And, but that's, you know what? But that's me. And one, I have license to do that as a black TV and film critic. Absolutely. right? Absolutely. But like in the way that we talk about a black film. One, I challenge anyone who's listening, I want you to go to Google and just type in, what is a black film? <laughs> and you want to know essentially what the response is, the main one, right? It says, a black film is a classification of film in Hollywood that has a broad definition relating to the film involving participation and or representation of black people. Mm. Okay. I can kind of see that in both synthesis. The definition may involve the film having a black cast, a black crew, a black director, a black story, or so pretty much anything can be a black film. Sure. But what it's predominantly kind of like, you know, um, what, what the narrative that goes around to it is almost like a message movie, right? Like, what is this black film saying, right? And that's exactly what Malcolm, the character, is challenging. Sure. One of my favorite lines from the film is when he's like, um, in regards to like, not every movie has to have a meaning in it, right? Yeah. It just needs to have a heart and electricity. Like, that's what he wants his art to be able to speak to. And the people who take that art and try to make it into something else, that's what he doesn't like. Yeah, absolutely. You and, know? and and I, I think, you know, obviously with this conversation, we're going to stick mostly to the whole influences thing and all that stuff with the puzzle pieces. But there is so much of a conversation around this movie and about intention of, of the filmmaker and of the story being told. And I, I just think that there is... A, a proper intention here with this particular movie in, in a similar way with Waves, which is just a really interesting story to tell, which, by the way, you're right, is not, you know, necessarily a black movie. But funny enough, though, when I was researching before doing this episode, uh, I found it on a list of uh, black movies from 2019. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, oh, interesting. Somebody put it on that list. But anyway, that, that's uh, <laughs> another story. But uh, yeah, I just think the intention of the filmmaker is really important. And I think... You know, my other podcast, Bird Road, we get into a lot of like political issues on that show. Uh, but I think intention is something that's lost a lot lately in a lot of conversations. Absolutely, man. And, and it makes it tough. You know, that's like the messy part in regards to like appreciating film, right? It's a really interesting medium, but like I'm glad that we have it because I think that these discussions, the discourse, it's cool if we can kind of like can be able to con contextualize it, right? Sure. Like be able to have a conversation about that, but then also kind of like focus on the art. The yeah. fact that you can look at waves and kind of get a sense of Malcolm Marie, because one, it's a very intimate story. You know, one's a family drama. This is a drama about two, you know, but uh, just about two lovers, right? And essentially we kind of get that in really neat ways. Like the thing that I think people kind of like were pissed off about with waves is just that how the, you know, the, the focus of our protagonist shifted in a really kind of like jarring way. Sure. Like, literally in like just this kind of like this this scrim of color almost like a kaleidoscope where we shift you know from kelvin harrison jr's character's perspective and then we go over to his little sister's um, perspective and it was really jarring for people like it's, it's it's done in a way that's not conventional and this i'm not gonna say the presentation of malcolm marie wasn't conventional but like waves it's really uncomfortable yeah people don't do well with movies that are arguments and in screenwriting, you're kind of taught to like, if you have an argument, kind of find a way to get out of it because just audiences don't do well with it. And that's the entirety of this hour and 40 minute production. And that will uh, pop up in more puzzle pieces along the way. But uh, what do you got for your first puzzle piece? 
Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, in my first puzzle piece, I kind of went something back to, I don't want to say childhood, all right, teenhood, right? <laughs> okay. And that is Brown Sugar. Rick Famuyiwa's um, Brown Sugar. It's starring Tay Diggs, Sanaa Lathan, this kind of classic. And, and, and this is a black film in regards mm. to the way it's packaged, the way it was marketed, you know, the people behind the camera, as well, of course, in front of the camera in regards to its stars. You know, you got, you know, like I said, Tay Diggs, Sanaa Lathan, you got Nicole Ari Parker, Boris Kojo, Queen Latifah. Uniquely enough, we think about all these names in that film, contrasting to Malcolm Marie, where we just have two actors. Sure. But their stories are similar in the sense that we get this we, we get this narrative of a love story, except this is more so these are friends who grew up together and never saw themselves so much so as anything more than friends. We're like contrasting. We have Malcolm Marie, who in the scope of this entire film, I was able to get a true idea of their relationship. But what makes what reminds me um, between Brown Sugar and Malcolm Marie is the conversation, right? Um, the conversation that we have outside of the actual argument, the crux of why Marie is mad, mad at Malcolm, it's the other conversation in regards to their art. They sure. both work in the entertainment industry, right? We have a director and screenwriter, and then we have a model who was a former actress. Their conversation is really talking about the love of what they do, how they do it, and like that's something that's like really tangible. In the same way with Brown Sugar, we have these people who are absolutely in love with music. They love the artistry, the rawness, the organicness. And you being a music guy, I'm not too sure if you've seen the movie or not, but like they talk about like what it was when music just used to be music, used to be fun, just right. listening to it on your stoop. And then when it becomes this commodity and transforms into something else. And that's kind of like a bulk of the conversation that Marie and Malcolm are having, right? Yeah. You know, they're looking at his art and they're talking about it in regards to uh, doing a Lego movie, 40 Legos and a mule, like <laughs> shit like that. Like I found that to be so funny. And it just reminded me about like the love of something, you know, that was like what they do and then how it would try to change them. Um, and like, while that was maybe like a, a C or D thread inside of Malcolm Marie, it's still something that stuck with me. Yeah. And I, I saw that movie way back when it first came out, but I just, I, I think the uh, infectiousness of hearing people who truly love art talk about art is, yes. that's very exciting. And then to have that as a through line along with a relationship that's very, I mean, it's a perfect puzzle piece for this. I hadn't thought of it because I haven't seen it since so long ago. But um, yeah, it's a great puzzle piece to uh, to bring into this one. And that's one of those things where it's like with Malcolm and Marie, you are getting such a, uh, a rich uh, a rich portrayal of a relationship because relationships aren't just, you know, boy meets girl or boy meets boy or whatever it is. And, uh, and, you know, fall in love and happily ever after. I mean, there are, wh whether it's these fights about actual relationship or just arguments about things in life, what like pop culture or work or things like that, all that is part of real life relationships. And so yeah. uh, for a movie to like really focus in on that, just, I really think it makes it a little bit more real. So yeah, great piece there. Uh, I'll go to my next piece. Uh, one of the early ones I had thought of is uh, the 2008 drama Revolutionary Road uh, from Sam Mendes with Leonardo DiCaprio and Kate Winslet. And Damn, why didn't I think of that? <laughs> that oh is, my gosh. That's a brutal movie. Um, and I mean, I, I just think the main reason I, I wanted to bring this one in is because John David Washington and Zendaya, let, let's you know, be straight here, are two of the biggest stars of this current moment, you know? And 
setting them at each other's throats for two hours is absolutely what, you know, Revolutionary Road was about with reuniting, like, such a chemistry of Leonardo DiCaprio and uh, Kate Winslet after Titanic, and to bring them back together after so many years and just say, go at it, you two, you know? Um, I think I think it's just really just such a great match. And, and I will say, I, I haven't seen that much John David Washington yet that I've loved i like him as an actor i loved him in this though and yeah. uh zendaya the same i i haven't really seen i i've never actually seen euphoria i'm sure that'll come up within this conversation uh mm. but you know i certainly know her from the spider-man movies if nothing else um and so but she's so good in this and they're just both just totally bringing a game with this movie yeah and and, and honestly you know when you really think about like there's something about john david washington that is unique, right? Because when we say his name, you would think that he's probably been in like the public consciousness for like a long time and he really hasn't. Right. Like he's really only been the name since Black Klansman. That right. was 2018. Yeah. Like, like that was it. Like, yeah, he had ballers before that. And then I believe like there was this police, you know, independent film. But like what really made him the name that he is, aside from his dad being his dad, right, right was Black Klansman. And yeah. I mean, what he got, I, I don't believe that he was nominated for an Academy. I, he was, he was like, you know, he was in the, the shortlist and stuff like yeah, that. He was, was nominated in the for a Golden Globe for it. Yeah, it was definitely in the conversation. And it was good. You know, at, at least that's what the consensus was, right? I, th I had some other stuff <laughs> in that <laughs> regard. Like, I, I absolutely loved Adam Driver inside the film, but he's still very much green right yeah and like i always clap it up because i think you know for uh it's weird a young actor he's in his mid-30s but like for it gives me hope shit um <laughs> you know for a young actor the more that he is going to be around other greats and zendaya quickly has become that like you said i mean we saw her from disney starlet to now beast and i think he's now inside of um another film with with robert de niro and mm. all these other people so like i'm excited to see where the rest of his career goes because man he really really brought it in this movie oh yeah absolutely and i you know it, that's you know a funny thing before we uh, move on to the next piece is i feel like a lot of people because the malcolm character is so i, I don't know abrasive maybe or uh, right out my mouth yeah, good word okay <laughs> people hate the character so much i found him so much fun to watch because yeah. it's just so he's kind of like an idiot in a way but also he we've all been there we've all been so sure of ourselves in the midst of you know some kind of argument or some kind of heated thing and it's just i don't know it's, i think it's a great character and actually, that like brings me to my next puzzle piece. Okay, perfect. Ari Gold in Entourage. <laughs> nice. So, I mean, obviously, all right. So we know who Sam Levinson is, right? Son of the great Barry Levinson. Some mm -hmm. nepotism at work, but the guy is really, really good, right? He's young in his own right in his career. And I think that Sam has found a way to kind of bring in a lot of Hollywood. Malcolm is an amalgam amalgamation of so many different archetypes in Hollywood, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, for the folks that have been to like film classes inside of college, actually went to film school or just just been around people in the film industry, Malcolm is a lot of all of those different things, right? Mm -hmm. Like you said, abrasive, big, loud, pointed. He will make sure that you will understand him at all costs yeah. until he's ready to stop for you trying to understand him. And Ari Gold and Entourage, like I remember the first time when I watched this show, and granted, I watched it, I mean, I want to say really, really young, but like the show wasn't written for me as right. a young teenager, but like, okay, it was in Hollywood, right? I want to move up to Hollywood. It had a lot, of, a lot of profanity, a lot of nudity, HBO show, right? 
and it's funny. And so much so, like Ari is this big, mean, self-centered, egotistical jerk, but you kind of love him because he's damn good at what he does. Right. And I think that's what Malcolm is, right? So when I see Malcolm, I see like this kind of like, the, even the way he moves and his mannerisms, the way he kind of, he puffs up his chest and he brings his shoulders back. And he's like, he is so in to who he is. And like, when we first get introduced to him in the middle, in, you know, in the beginning of this film, you know, he's like, I killed this shit. I did this. And that's, that's Ari. He's so big. And like the way, even the way he like, he, he threw his fists at the air when he was outside. That, that just reminds me all the time when Ari used to get in these fights with Lloyd. Lloyd! And just get, like, he just wants to like strangle, but he can't, but he always wants to get Get his point across and the way that Ari argues is the same way that Malcolm is going at it and it is venomous it is mean but there's also a part of it like he's really trying to make a point to try to get you to understand and to be honest with you if he didn't bother arguing with you you wouldn't mean anything to him right so for the folks that like look at this like well why doesn't Marie just walk away well one it's a movie she walks away there is no movie yeah. <laughs> you know and Malcolm isn't just arguing to be a bad guy he actually has something to say and there's a lot of validity in his comments but the unique thing about this film i don't think that the goal was for me to root for malcolm or root for marie i think they're both equally right and wrong in a lot of points of this film yeah and i think that's like kind of like what arby was in entourage sure yeah and, and i mean great piece but also just speaking to like the characteristics of malcolm i mean his codependency of like needing validation from uh marie in in all of his big ideas whether he's right or wrong and all of them you know i just think it's just such a great trait uh i mean it's a a toxic trait but i mean it it's very real though and it's i i, I think to like all of my um uh, most outgoing, shall we say, LA friends. And it's like, there, there's so much of this in that whole like Hollywood scene and like those kinds of people. And, you know, I think that, you know, we could kind of take a, a quick detour to the, uh, the biggest issue, I think, with the criticism with this movie is the whole, uh, you know, return critique to critics. Um, and, you know, yeah. critics being a part of that whole movie ecosystem as well, the Hollywood thing. And, I, I think it's really interesting that critics kind of expose themselves to have such thin skins in this particular debate. It's it's uh -huh. a very strange thing, uh, but I, maybe it's not strange though. I mean, critics are you know tend to be sensitive people. You know, I know I am. I I certainly can be, and that's that's a very real thing. And I guess you know it's okay to 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 be offended by this movie talking back to you, but I don't think it makes the movie any less valid. I think it, the movie is saying this and you can reckon with it whether whether you like what it's saying or not. Yeah, and I think it's been interesting seeing, you know, the critics who are kind of falling into Sam's, like, trap, in a sense, sure. you know? Um, I mean, so many of just, like, these these blurbs on, on Rotten Tomatoes and stuff like that. I just got bored with the people. I had an emotional block and I never got engaged. A very stylish but ultimately empty performance. <laughs> this is from a top critic. Like, what does that even sound like? I just got bored with the people. <laughs> that, I don't know. I don't understand it. You know I, what I mean? Or, it. or you have like kind of like those more sanitized reviews coming from pundits who are afraid to kind of critique a film that has two black leads in it. Mm. And these are the things that I've noticed. I mean, shit, I've been in the game for several years now and I can kind of see it. And, you know, on one hand, while it can be labeled as an attack, and this was, for those that don't know, 
Sam incorporated a story, you know, that, you know, kind of an account in his own life, an incident, you know, between himself and an, L, you know, an LA Times film critic for a review on Assassination Nation. So I guess if we can make that a mini puzzle piece, like it literally is a piece that fit with inside of the movie, sure, right? Sure, that review, um, nothing else, yeah. Exactly. And, you know, it's really pointed. And for some folks that may have taken them out the movie because they felt like they were no longer looking at Malcolm, that they were looking at Sam. Mm. But like, yo, this is the writer director. He can do whatever he wants. That's like, right. This is this is their art. And yeah, how thin skin it, it's it's been really crazy. I mean, there's definitely truths in like that that kind of rant. And it's really such a small part of the movie, to be honest with you. I yeah. think it's like what? 10, 12 minute exchange. And most of that, you know, is his monologue. But my God was it funny i was cutting a, i got a chance to watch in the theater i just died it was me and three other people so i wasn't like you know <laughs> being a nuisance to anybody but my goodness just the way that it was articulated yeah was and it was a positive review <laughs> you know so at the same time that this could be you know criticism of the commentary this is also so criticism of sam you know, yeah. like, like, cause it's really, so look at self, this guy. self-deprecating. Totally. It really, really is. So I, I think it's really interesting at work there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, I'm going to do a very, very out of left field puzzle piece. Uh, th this one's very kind of ridiculous, but I was listening to your appearance on uh, real spoilers and uh, th they were talking about critics not liking this movie because he kind of preemptively is telling critics that you know he he sees through their thing and and that that they're going to complain about this white writer writing these black characters to air his grievances and i was thinking about that and so this wasn't something uh directly from the movie it was from that kind of point of conversation i thought of eight mile and eminem's b rabbit mm. using what the people are going to say in their freestyle battles against him yes preemptively using them in the first place so that way they don't have anything to say. Now, of course, so critics smart. still had plenty to say, but, um, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, they're not... Uh, oh, the just, irony! You know, yeah, so... <laughs> but it still just made me think of it, and I wanted to throw it into the conversation anyway, so... Nah, I mean, I think that's absolutely fair. And, like, you know, yo, yo, shout out for the listen for real spoilers. You know, it was an interesting point, because I thought, man, you know, these creatives are now having a really unique license, right, to kind of get in the way of the criticism and yeah. you said it earlier our film commentary plays very much into the entire landscape of hollywood mm -hmm. even though some people don't think so right like if an artist truly believes that critics don't matter well then they wouldn't be so affected by the words that we say about sure. their art sure right and our words have a lot of power even though some of us don't think that it does it really shapes an impression on our audience which very much can impress upon whether people watch this movie or not which means that a studio may just be less inclined sometimes to say, you know what? This didn't do it. Look what the critics are saying. It didn't make it into these rounds of awards groups. It didn't get any awards and stuff like that. We carry a lot of weight, you know? So it's really interesting. I, I don't know if creatively there's going to be like that kind of like preemptiveness going on, but shoot, 8 Mile came out what? Like 2000 and a long time, forever ago. Yeah, a long time ago. I don't a know. A long time ago. <laughs> I mean, Eminem is basically oldies at this point. So, you know. Oh my God. It's so crazy. I can't believe it. Yikes. <laughs> <laughs> well, what do you got for your next piece? Yeah, keeping in um, the lieu of the performance, you know, I, I felt impressed by Ari Gold with Malcolm's character. And I think with Marie's character, it'd be really hard to ignore, you know, the puzzle piece of Rue from euphoria hbo's euphoria okay um man it's uh she is 
So you haven't got a chance to watch Euphoria, right? I have not seen it. And I, I've always felt like I'm like the only person that hasn't seen the show because it seems like everybody talks about how great it is. It's really great. It's definitely a tough watch, right? Okay. Um, it took me uh, several months to get past the first episode. Mm-hmm. Um, one, as a parent, it's really, I guess like as a parent, my, my tolerance for like really like gritty teen dramas has like <laughs> gotten very very low because it is explicit it's like, and oh, it's like damn. you know you know it's, it's one of those things depending <laughs> upon where you are generationally you're like oh you kids don't know how it was back in the day but like every generation antes up mm-hmm. right and i think that and you know kind of looking at how malcolm marie came together right it's a quarantine film and sam very much um has a great working relationship with Zendaya, who, of course, they worked together on Euphoria, and they wanted a project in a vehicle to be able to kind of work on during this time of quarantine. And they workshopped so much of this screenplay with one another. And I've heard Zendaya even say inside of you know, uh, interviews leading up to the film and afterwards where she very much felt comfortable with this, even though it was a much more vulnerable performance than she's ever done before. And this felt like an evolution of Rue. Mm. But like Marie, in comparison to Rue, Rue is a... Rue essentially is what... Um, Imani is right, like Imani, the character inside of Malcolm Marie, and you know, in uh, Malcolm's uh, uh, a film, right. is this kind of just drugged out mess of a woman, and that's exactly what Rue is. So it's interesting to be able to see this kind of the, the, this evolution from the more rough around the edges, completely damaged and torn up Rue to the now Marie, who is just this more refined, but still can be able to have like some sting to her. You know, I think a lot of people talk about inside of this film, the bathtub scene, right? Where I think that she is doing an amazing performance, being vulnerable, but sitting there having to take these absolute barbs that are being delivered by Malcolm. And there's so much work that she's doing without any dialogue. It's in her face. It's in her eyes and the way that her shoulders are like slightly above the water inside the tub. But then she knows how to be able to always give it. And and there's really not many points in this film where I feel like, oh my God, we have to save Marie. No, no, no. She's a lioness in her own right. Oh, yeah. And just like Rue, when it's needed most inside the story, she is downright like ruthless. And I love the fact that Marie in this film at the end of it is able to kind of do something similar to like what Rue is, where she knows how to give it. Mm-hmm. You know, um, she may look like she's kind of like down and out or whatever, but like, bro, she absolutely brings, she reads Malcolm to oh, the yeah. point where I feel like he really did have a change. So yeah, that the Rue puzzle piece with euphoria to this film, you see the connection. I, I need to watch it, I think. And and for the record, I did not like Assassination Nation as far as this director is concerned, but um, I, I love this and I need to see euphoria. And I do find it interesting, like from, from everything I've kind of read, I get the feeling that it's got a somewhat similar tone uh, to Malcolm and Marie, which I, I mm-hmm. find it interesting that that people maybe weren't expecting something like this from from him when it seems like that's kind of his thing a little bit. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's weird. You know, I watched the trailer once and I think that there's there's such an elegance to when you see the trailer. You obviously know that these folks are going to get into a heated you know battle. Sure. And I've been trying to really... I really try to go into a film as cold as possible, right? I'll watch the trailer once. I'm trying to ignore everything else because right. I just want the film to be able to just kind of wash over me cold. And, but like, yeah, just knowing who wrote and direct this. And then, you know, they even dropped, you know, the most recent episode of Euphoria a few weeks before this film premiered. So it's like, and, and very much the conversation that's had between Coleman Domingo, 
who was also working inside of Assassination Nation, right? Mm-hmm. Some people say, you know, the, the, these, um, these words don't feel real, right? Okay, but it's the same words in the writing style that we saw inside of Euphoria, and that, that show was being praised for like how authentic it felt. Yeah. So I found it really peculiar that the writing styles you felt like there was no similarities to. I, I think it's quite similar. Yeah, that that's interesting too. I didn't include it as a puzzle piece, but I, I definitely considered uh, Quentin Tarantino just in general, uh, his mm-hmm. writing style as a, as a possible puzzle piece uh, when I was putting together my list. Also Kevin Smith as well. Um, yeah. But these people who, yes, it's heightened dialogue, but that when has that been a problem before? Like when, when no. did we not enjoy that? You know? And if anything... This has more relevance to be a heightened dialogue because the people who are giving the dialogue aren't just a regular Joe and Schmo. He's a writer, director, and an actress. Yeah, you know, yeah. like w- when you talk in regards to your field of interest, your dialogue in that particular field is going to be on display. Like I'm pretty sure that when you are going at it with somebody in regards to music, that like it's going to sound very differently than to anybody to, to a general audience. So I can understand for some folks that may say, "I feel like I couldn't relate." I understand these people are in a really different place in their life, right? You know, sure. but it's kind of like in the same way if I'm like Velvet Buzzsaw, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I guess another little small puzzle piece, right? With Velvet Buzzsaw, it's literally a film kind of making fun of like the snooty tooty like art world, sure. right? Yeah. And obviously that dialogue is going to be, you know, indicative of how those folks speak. That's those people. But it's yeah. how they speak. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, a, a writer director like this Malcolm character is going. There's no way he's not going to speak like this. It's just it absolutely. Um, well, I will go on to my next piece, and I, this I think was a, another kind of obvious one, but I think it has to be in the conversation here. Uh, and that's another Netflix movie, one that got a lot of awards attention uh, in the way that this movie should be getting, uh, and that's Marriage Story from Noah Baumbach from 2019. Yep, yep. yep. Another movie with two characters who are just absolutely going at it um, and also happen to be a director and his wife. Uh, mm-hmm. Also having that kind of um, show business, you know, line going through everything that's happening within their also falling out in their relationship. Uh, but yeah, Scarlett Johansson and Adam Driver just giving two huge performances in that movie. Uh, also excellent, but I really, really prefer just how deeply we get into both sides of the arguments in Malcolm and Marie, not just, and I mean that in two separate ways. I mean, both sides is in the, uh, the relationship and the work, you know, the, the film work and all that stuff, uh, as well as both sides, meaning Malcolm and Marie, uh, both of their own sides of the argument. I just feel like each side is richer and fully realized and, I know a lot of people love Marriage Story. I think it's a great movie. But if we're going to compare and contrast here, I just think Malcolm and Marie just does more with its, uh, you know, also small world that it's set up for itself. Yeah. I mean, I have to absolutely agree. Of course, Marriage Story is one of my puzzle pieces. So kind of like just to expound into more, you know, I think the, the thing that sticks out like a sore thumb from Marriage Story in connection to this film is that epic argument scene, right? Sure. What's unique to it is that kind of the way how traditionally you would see in, in a film, that super mean argument is such a small portion of marriage story, right? Mm. It takes a time kind of charting out like a regular narrative, you know? Um, we're able to see 
both sides. We kind of see the fight. I mean, it is an argument throughout the entire film. It's just done in a way where there's other beats and other moods that kind of come in and other little scenes and stuff like that, right? Um, but that specific like fight where they just they don't hold back. Well, essentially, you know, that's just Malcolm Marie, but the entirety of the film. But I still think like there's such a rawness to it that just like was magnetic to me. Yeah. You know? And in the same way with marriage story, I never felt like I was being told who to root more for than another. I think they're both equally right at points and both equally wrong at points. And then ultimately, the biggest difference between the two um, is what happens at the end of the film. There's a, there's, there's a sense of, ex, well, excuse me, the similarity between the two is there's a sense of acceptance, except one is, is more ambiguous than the other, right? Mm. In marriage story, we get a sense of this is their new normal, right? right? Everything that has happened up until like, you know, the ending of this film is pretty much painting the picture that they're going to find a way to make this new version of their family work. Where on the other hand, with Marriage Story, it's even more ambiguous. You know, um, I love the way that the film kind of like was, you know, the, the crescendo in this film, right? You know, we have Malcolm, which I truly believe is in a place of acceptance. His last few lines in the film is, I love you, Marie. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Thank you. And the film could have just ended right there. Yeah. But then the fact that Sam writes in for Marie... She responds, you're welcome. And then we kind of get this epilogue. And we could have just ended right there. And they chose to give us a little bit more to where Malcolm frantically is waking up in the morning because Marie's not in bed. Yeah. And we're like, oh, my God, what's happening here, right? Like, you know, I thought everything was good. And then they kind of stand outside. But we do not have the intimacy of, like, knowing if there's any words being exchanged. We're pulled out from, literally from, like, looking in the bedroom outside onto like this i mean it's weird this movie's in black and white but like i feel like i can see the colors sometimes especially (laughs) when it's outside during the daytime and they just hold hands and you know we have no idea what decisions being made how they feel like they're going to go about the rest of the day their week their entire relationship but it just felt different but it was doing a lot of the same things that marriage story was and you know even though you know what sticks out is that like that big argument scene i think so many other you know similarities that you can find inside a marriage story like i said the the you know the, the director and an actress wife relationship like it's it's, it's all kind of right there but i think it's yeah. really cool yeah also the um you know the movie seems almost purpose purposefully made to get you going back and forth on the sides and like who you think mm-hmm. is you know right in any given moment and all that stuff and so i i think that that's something that that marriage story was a huge part of the conversation as well um and Hopefully we'll see more memes come from uh, from Malcolm and Marie. Oh my gosh. The Malcolm Marie TikToks <laughs> oh, have been so really, good. really funny. So good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I swear, I'm going to start like doing some of my own, man, and just be like, <laughs> they're really, really good. Amazing. Uh, all right, before we move on to another puzzle piece, I think that's kind of a good place to squeeze in a movie that I haven't seen. I don't know if you've seen, uh, but it's in every review of this movie, Who's Afraid of a Virginia Wolf? Have you ever seen it? I have not. I haven't either. I feel like I feel like I'm not doing my job as a critic for not seeing. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's tons of like epic movies that like I should have watched that I just haven't. Right. Um. But everybody like you know this is very Cassavetes esque. Yeah, yeah, this yeah. Is, like Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? And I'm like, when I think of Virginia Woolf, I think of that book that I didn't read in high school. So I don't know. <laughs> 
Hey, I, I squeeze in one old movie a week if I can, you know. I, I'll get oh, I'll, I'll get to it one of these days. Yeah. <laughs> but I've definitely, I mean, I've, I've heard, like, that it's, like, really similar, but, like, I guess there's just a bit more characters and stuff like that. So. Right, right, absolutely. And I, I remember that that coming up with Marriage Story as well at the time, so. Uh, right on. Well, uh, do you have any more puzzle pieces? I do. I've got one more, and this is probably going to feel, like, a little weird, but it's Scream 2. Okay. <laughs> because I, I think it was the this. first time <laughs> so I think it was the first time where I was like inspired to like study film in college because we you know we get you know Nev Campbell Sidney Prescott going to school and we got Jamie Kennedy's character coming over Randy coming over and stuff like that and like the fact that they we get we get a chance to kind of see what I experienced in film school these film nerds nerd out in like an argument way about essentially like commentating on a film right oh, yeah, yeah. Um, what was that was that um Oh my God, Timothy Oliphant, right? I think so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, it was right, and like it was just a really, really great scene, and it, it and I think that's where I, I, I think that's what I love so much is that to some folks that just think when they watch Malcolm Marie, it was just all arguing. No, there was these moments of tension, mm-hmm. but then these moments of like brilliant civility where mm-hmm. they just like yuck it up. Like even though she finds a way to kind of side with you know this LA Times film critic, she's like she's like my spirit animal, right? Like you know I really am on her side and stuff like that. Like she was very much like you know understanding. I, I don't think in any way she was like yeah Malcolm yeah Malcolm. no I think like she was like in agreement of stuff like that for the most part. And I think that's what you get a lot in regards to that banter and back and forth between between Randy and Timothy Oliphant's character in the film. And I think you know Nev you know Sydney gets in there and kind of makes her point too. So I love that back and forth, and it's about a topic that is relevant to me in film and film appreciation. Yeah, so yeah. yeah, Scream Two kind of it, it gave me that vibe. <laughs> I, I love that. I, I love that. Anything that can. Uh you know, kick off a, a Hollywood on Hollywood kind of conversation yes. there, you know, that, that's great. And, and it, it, that's one thing that uh, I think should absolutely be stated. You know, we're not going to change any minds here. Probably people who went in this yeah. movie, hating it, they, they still hate it. I'm sure. But this movie is really funny along with being, Ooh. you know, there are some really laugh out loud moments. I mean, the the whole thing when he's looking for his wallet so he can get through the paywall. Oh, the, pay, the, the, the paywall thing. That oh, was great. That was great. Uh, I mean, there's the, the mac and cheese. The, uh, the There's just so many funny moments in this movie. And I, I think that, yeah, it, you know, people should not kind of uh, discount how much humor is, is sewn throughout this yeah. very this heavy This is not movie. Blue Jasmine. Right, right. <laughs> That's right. I was thinking that as a puzzle piece because I'm like, they definitely get this like really like ragey, ragey shit. Sure. I'm like, no, there's definitely a lot more comedy in this. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> well, speaking of comedy, though, uh, I hadn't planned it this way, but my last puzzle piece, uh, not a movie, but I thought okay. it would be a good inclusion here. Uh, just the art of stand up comedy in general. I thought that this movie, in the same way that good stand up does, really kind of like kind of shoves your face in like the very real worst moments and tendencies of ourselves, you know, and yeah. we we've all been in this place of, uh, you know, arguments with, with a significant other and feeling like we're right and digging ourselves in deeper, even after we know maybe we should, you know, back off a little bit. And mm-hmm. those are the, exactly the kind of things that stand up comics love to point out in a good stand up set. I mean, all, all of the greatest, you know, stand ups, the, you know, Chris rocks and, uh, you know, Louie, I know is canceled, but Louie was the best, uh, you know, back in his day and, mm-hmm. uh, all the best standups really, really 
forced you to reckon with those parts of yourself and and see it play out, you know, in in yeah. the in the observations that they're making. And I do love a good stand up, and so I thought it would be a good thing to uh, bring in here. I think I what I want to do. So I read the script twice now. Okay. Right? I think I want to see if I can take that L.A. film critic rant and turn into it like a stand up, uh, like three minutes. <laughs> nice. I'm gonna see if I can do it. I'm gonna see if I can chop it up, and I'm gonna do that as my own TikTok. I love it. It, it, it. It's just so much funny, right? And the thing is, what a lot of people don't understand about stand up is that, like you said, there's so much truth, and the, these skillful motherfuckers just find a way to be able to apply the comedy there with the setup and the punchline. It's all about their delivery and their charisma, and like, like, and that's what you're drawn to, you know. And and John David Washington's performance, it's like, it's like. There's something about this guy you can't take your eyes off of him, right? Even though you know he's being a jerk, right? But like, he's being a jerk in like this really fun and kind of like admiring way, <laughs> you know? Like, I call myself an adorable asshole, right? Sure. Because okay. I think there's people out there who like who are assholes you just want to stay away from. But I'm the asshole you need in your life. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, you'd be like sick if I was gone for a day or something <laughs> like that, you know? <laughs> you know? But yeah, damn, stand up. I I I like that. You know, and just the fact that, like, I don't know, I feel like it's like an old timey stand up because, like, it's done in like black and white and stuff, too. Damn, this movie's pretty to look at, too. It, it <laughs> it's is. It's so pretty. Very, very pretty to look at. It is, it is really well shot. Uh, I'm sure the people who don't like this movie would say it's pretentious, but hey, you know what? You like other black I mean, and white movies, so get off of it, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> All right. So let's do the finished puzzle here, and then we'll get into some closing thoughts on Malcolm and Marie. We talked about Waves. Brown Sugar, Revolutionary Road, Entourage, Eight Mile, Euphoria, Marriage Story, Scream 2. We squeezed Who's Afraid of a Virginia Wolf in there as well. And then uh, we also talked about stand-up comedy. And uh, yeah, I, we also kind of squeezed in uh, Kevin Smith and Quentin Tarantino a little bit towards the middle there. And uh, in our trailer episode leading up to this, I had also mentioned Phantom Thread, so I just wanted to give that a shout-out as well. Another very uh, uh, unhealthy relationship, let's just say. <laughs> so, Colby, do you have any other like thoughts on this that we didn't quite get to? I mean, I know you've already uh, mentioned a lot of thoughts across a lot of other podcasts, but anything uh, relating to this conversation? Nah, man. I think I think it's just always interesting. Like the entire setup and premise of this pod, and it's not so much like there's nothing new under the sun. It's just like what we've already had that still inspires and breathes life into so many different things. And, you know, what can we pull from these other films and other just topics that we've watched and how does it help impress upon what we see and appreciate this particular film, right? Mm -hmm. Art is subjective, right? Um, it, it, there's objective takes that we can apply critical analysis to, you know, more on the craft and technical side, in my opinion. Um, but ultimately, like, art is subjective. And what you get from is what you get from. And I just think that we need to be a bit more mindful about what we bring to the table in regards to what we're coming to watch film in that regard, or even talk about it. I think that makes a lot of sense. Uh, and, and it definitely leads into my closing thought, which is this movie, to me, uh, it, it goes in a trajectory along with two other movies from the last uh, few years that I think people really just went into hating beforehand. And that is Darren Aronofsky's mother and Todd mm. Phillips Joker. Um, yeah. <laughs> two movies that people hated 
uh, no matter what. It didn't matter what was going to come up on that screen from the, the time the opening credits started till the end credits ended. They already had their minds made up that this movie is bad. Uh, not, not bad for any particular set of reasons, but just this movie is bad, and I'm going to find a way to fit it into that bad box. And... I don't understand why people do it. I mean, like you said, people come to movies with baggage and, you know, that is just part of being human. So I guess that 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 really does kind of explain it. But it's like it it sucks. And I I do hope that people, you know, try to be a little bit more mindful in the movies that they watch in, in, you know, saying that this is a particular vision by this filmmaker, by these actors uh, and not to write things off just, you know, because of some kind of preconceived notion. Yeah. So beautifully said, brother. Thank you, man. Thank you. <laughs> Everybody is going to push back on this, no matter what I say. So. <laughs> <laughs> four star, four star, four star. <laughs> Well, uh, I think that does it for Malcolm and Marie. Uh, Colby, is there another movie you watched recently you'd like to recommend to our listeners? Oh, man, I just got finished watching uh, Judas and the Black Messiah this past week. And (laughs) and then immediately watched uh, Nate Turner's, excuse me, Nate Parker's uh, American Skin. Okay. Um, Yeah, I'm filled with a lot of black rage. (laughs) Um, But what I was able to do is then watch To All the Boys I Love Before, Always and Forever. That helped mellow me out. Okay. So those are my three most recent watches. And my God, to all the boys I loved before, always and forever. Now streaming on Netflix, by the way. Um, one of the greatest film trilogies of all time. Right on. Like, <laughs> crazy. Right on. Well, that that's a good, uh, good set of uh, recommendations right there. So awesome. Well, uh, hey, Colby, thank you so much for doing this. Uh, I'm glad to finally thank get you. you back on the show. Uh, why don't you tell people where they can find you and everything you're up to? Yeah, brother. Thanks so much for having me. Big fan of the podcast. Anytime you need me, I will be here. For those that want to go ahead and uh, get in touch with your boy, or just follow me with what I'm doing. Uh, you can follow your boy. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Colby Told Me. When I'm in the mood to write, you can check out my website at ColbyToldMe.com. Listen to my podcast, the Colby Told Me Podcast. Been on hiatus for a little bit, but should be back soon. So when they ask you where you heard it from, you can tell them Colby Told Me. Have you been thinking about a film for quite some time now? Have you got nowhere to turn to to talk about it? Well, the Film for Thought podcast is here for you. Every fortnight, I invite a guest on to talk about any film of their choice. It could be old or new, controversial or classic. If you have some thoughts about films, I want to discuss them. New episodes drop every second Friday, so make sure to come along and check out the Film for Thought podcast. All right, so I hope you enjoyed that conversation about Malcolm and Marie. Thanks to Colby for joining me on that one. And uh, let me know, what did you think of this conversation, everybody? Uh, What do you think about our thoughts on this movie, on the puzzle pieces, on everything we had to say? I know this is a very contentious movie, but uh, hopefully... You maybe uh, you know went into went into it with an open mind and and were interested to hear what we had to say on this one. So let me know. Get in touch. You can uh, email me directly through the website piecingpod.com or of course get in touch on social media at piecingpod. So that does it for today. Uh, you can also make sure that you are subscribed to Piecing It Together wherever you listen to podcasts, especially if you like this show. And if you do like this show. Make sure to rate and review us over on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser. We appreciate your reviews. Supposedly they help get engagement and all that kind of stuff and get up in the charts and all those things. I love making this show. We're coming up on the uh, 
the beginning of year four actually next week. So uh, I'm going to keep doing this for a long, long time. So let's get some more reviews going. So that way I know what you guys are all thinking of the show. Uh, and also, like I said, at the top of the show, we got that Patreon produced by David Rosen. The more subscribers we get, the more content we're going to make for it, whether it's piecing it together, awesome movie or my music stuff. I got a lot of music I'm sitting on that I can release on there and that's going to happen soon. Let me tell you, I just got to finish scoring this film. It's a lot of work. Um, but there is a lot more content coming to that Patreon. So make sure to check that out. And speaking of my music, let's close this thing up with a song like I always do. And I think I'm going to go with a song called Never from my album An Unseen Sky, which uh, that film that I am currently scoring, uh, it's directed, written and directed by Chris Johnson, a uh, filmmaker I've worked with a bunch now. And he actually made a music video for this song about a, a quarreling couple and where things go very badly. So I thought that would uh, that would work its way into this conversation of Malcolm and Marie. Things go much worse for the couple in the center of Never, though. I will just say that. But you can check out that music video over on my YouTube channel, uh, Music by David Rosen. I'll put a link in the show notes as well. Uh, but it's a very cool video, very sad and dark, which, I mean, who doesn't want a sad, dark music video, right? People love sad and dark music. But anyway, uh, I am done uh, self-deprecating. This is Never. I love this song, and it's from my album, An Unseen Sky. And uh, enjoy it, and we'll be back with more Piecing It Together coming up real soon.
an All Points West production, produced by David Rosen in Las Vegas.